Mindfulness Mode. Every one of us is the leader of our time. Welcome, Mindful Tribe. I'm here today with an award-winning author, and she created a book oh, about a year or two ago, and I interviewed her before, and that was so exciting because she's done a lot of study of the Tao Te Ching, and she really understands the Tao Te Ching, and I love the Tao Te Ching as well, but now she's written a new book, and it's called Unlocking Your Inner Zelensky. Now, she was born in the Soviet Union and left at age eight, and she later became an actress, and she at one point found herself on the set of a Zelensky film, and she's been following his story ever since. So, of course, he's now reached worldwide fame because he's the president of Ukraine and so it's pretty exciting to have had a chance to read this copy of this book which has not hit uh, the public shelves yet but when it does I'm sure there's going to be a lot of excitement because it's just a really interesting look at Zelensky and you know the incredible amount of humbleness this man has and just so many aspects of his personality. I'm here today with Jesse Kanzer. Jesse, are you in mindfulness mode today? I'm tr- I'm getting there, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Well, it's <laughs> my pleasure. Being here helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's truly my pleasure and I I thank you for writing this book and send me sending me a copy so I could read it ahead of time and it is a book that just really is makes it so clear what a quality human being Zelensky is. So, well, we've talked before because you were on my show last year, and so you told me what mindfulness means to you. But let's jump right into the book and tell me what is it that made you decide to write this book about Zelensky? So since since you would understand a little bit of woo-woo better than, let's say, an average person, I will be honest and say it was intuition. So mm-hmm. I followed him since, well, he became president of Ukraine in 2019. Mm-hmm. My brother sent me a text that was like jokey and said, did you know you were in a movie with a president? And so I had to dig a little. Oh, no. he And he attached the IMDb of uh, the movie, it was called Love in the Big City or No Love in the City, the way, depends how you translate it. The movie that I had a little part in that Zelensky was um, starring in. And I had this moment of, you know, it's happened to me before as a actress who once was a struggling actress, you know, threw in the towel, went on with my life, had the kids, then started writing. So I've had moments of where someone that I'd been in a movie or a TV show with became big. But nobody became president before. So he sent it to me in 2019. Now, this movie was in 2009. It was when it was made in 2009. And at that time, President Zelensky, then just Vladimir Zelensky, was a comic, an an actor. Um, This was his first feature film. He was one of three stars. He wasn't even like the main star, one of three on this movie. And, you know, I'd crossed paths with him. So for me, this intuitive kind of light bulb that went off is like, how was he able to do this in a decade? How was he able to create a reality in which 
he was elected to presidency in a landslide. Like we've not heard of elections like that where you get like 73% support, supportive vote, vote in your favor. It's, um, and so I started looking into him then and I started following him. And even in my first book where um, Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing, the book about the Dow, I came on to talk to you about it last year. That yes. book, it had a chapter about Zelensky in it. And, it, and back then I, the little section was called My Zelensky. And it was the Taoist principle I was talking about. The chapter talked about the Taoist principle of using whatever life gives, life gives you, whatever circumstances you're given, not wasting anything. And so I had Zelensky as an example then. And he had been born into the Soviet Union as I had. You know, I left, but he had an immigration of sorts of his own where that tyrannical rule fell. The country was trying to break through and be free. And so his trajectory of getting to the person that actually was able to really enact change and I would say change the history of his nation, of his people, millions of people, but probably as history will show us, we might not know in the future, we'll see. I think he changed the trajectory for Europe, maybe for the world. And so I started really following him out of that intuitive pull of something is different about this person. And then when he became the, you know, on the world stage as, as he is now, I started to see why I was pulled towards studying him. And if you don't mind, I'll share with you a few things. Yeah, um, you please some do. Some of your own questions, but yeah. I, okay. So, so the major thing, the major thing that really has me still looking at him is that he always said, I'm just an ordinary person. He said, I'm not a politician. When he was first elected, I'm just a simple person who has come to break down the system over and over again. As time goes on, as the war you know, the drudgery of war, which we can only imagine as that continues in his country, interviewers ask him, how can you keep doing this day in, day out? How can you work so hard? How can you keep your hope up? And he says, I can't be worse than my people. My people are the ones who are doing great work. And so I have to do my part. And then um, an advisor of his had a really good quote. He said, you know, that he has a sixth sense, a performer's sixth sense for what people want, what the moment wants from him. And in a time of crisis, he is a lens that channels the energies of the people into a single light. So for me, the fact that he's an ordinary person who used the power of ordinariness and continues to use the power of the people, the power of regular people. He's constantly thanking emergency workers, doctors, nurses. He's constantly out there giving medals and visiting and thanking from soldiers to policemen to teachers. And so he really find, finds his power in the ordinary. And that to me is the greatest lesson here. Yeah, that's really fascinating that that's the case. And I think that's why, you know, you, you, really relate to him like it makes it sound like you relate to him so much because of that right yeah because look so unlocking your inner Zelensky um was a fun title i i like the title you know but then the subtitle is lessons we can all learn from an unexpected leader right. and the reason i felt like i really want to put a book like this out there is we have this tendency as humans to put people on pedestals whether it's celebrities, whether it's politicians, whether it's heroes that we see doing, you know, being really courageous in a moment of crisis, we put those people far away from us. We tend to put them, you know, watch them on the TV and like in our minds, they're unreachable to us. 
So I thought by telling his story, which really was very similar to mine in its origins, right? Just, you know, just the skid spoke Russian, was under tyrannical rule, and then that fell. And what, what is he going to make of himself? Like a very relatable story to me because of my history, but at the same time to anybody who hasn't wanted, you know, in, in Unlocking Your Inner Zelensky, there's a moment where I talk about how he badly wanted American genes. But we've all had moments where we wanted something and uh, we had to be, um, you know, kind of inventive in getting it. And it's, he is a regular person. And that's what I really wanted to show because I want people to realize the power in their own ordinariness. Right. Well, one of the things he wanted was for North Americans to understand more about Ukraine. And and he wanted us to understand that it was Europe's biggest country and so fertile with its production of wheat and all the farms. And, and you know, in a lot of ways, I see similarities with Canada, that's for sure. And, and certainly the Midwest and the United States as well. And how do you think he's done in communicating with us in North America and helping us to understand what their plight is like? I think he's done fantastically. I mean, there is something that happens. And by the way, Canada has been such a good friend to Ukraine, as has America been for the most part, as has the European um, neighbors of Ukraine also have been for the most part. What happens, I think, and this is again, human nature, we can only pay attention for so long. Uh, we lose interest, there's a new cycle. It's understandable. Uh, it's a pretty rough thing being human and having to face the suffering of the world, but also, you know, you have your own life. You, many of us have kids, we have families, or uh, we have aspirations, we have goals. So what happens to the human mind, I think, is we see it, we're horrified by it. Maybe some of us donate some money. Maybe we write about it. We do something about it and then we move on. So what's been an uphill battle for Zelensky besides the battle, the actual battle of the military is keeping attention on Ukraine and keeping Ukraine's allies interested in Ukraine. And, and it's going on right now as we speak. Um, and I think there's nobody that could have done a better job than him. Like his advisor said, he has this ability to channel the people. He's like a lens that channels them into a single beam of light. So he's done a great job of representing the values of Ukraine. And he said things like, look, we don't flood the world with oil, but we have our land. We have our people for us. That is gold. And I've also been really taken aback by the simplicity of that message and the simplicity of the Ukrainian people who, you know, they have a lot of farmers, like you said, like in Canada, like in the Midwest in America, they love their land. These farmers did not leave their land. There were, there were in the beginning, there were images of farmers stopping tanks with their bare hands. Wow. And I, I'm, I have really been touched by maybe there's something to be said for the power of the ordinary pursuits of people like farmers yeah yeah a lot of well-known people have really made it clear how much they appreciate Zelensky and how much they admire him and one of them was Ben Stiller when he visited back in June of 2022 and he praised he praised Zelensky so much that I think it made him uncomfortable didn't it yes yes thank you for bringing that up that was a really funny um clip 
uh, one of the things as the writer of this book, you know, you can't write unlocking your inner Zelensky without following the outer Zelensky, the actual right. Zelensky. And so I've been watching his videos nightly. And one of the clips I saw was Ben Stiller's meeting with him. Mm-hmm. And Ben Stiller was saying, you are my hero. And, and he was saying, Zelensky was saying, no, it's too much for me. It's too much. He said, no, but you're a hero. You left a great acting career for this. And Zelensky said, not as great as yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah. it's lovely to see he's he has been able to keep his sense of humor, which I think we learn by watching him, but we learn also in our own struggles in life. It's a it's a life force. It's a it's the saving life force in hard times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that uh, chapter seven was called Children as Guideposts. Can you expand on that a little bit and tell us the role of children Yes. Go ahead. Yes, I would love to. You know, um, he's a father, right? Zelensky's a father. I've watched interviews where the first thing, I believe it was CNN um, as one of them, but where to connect with him, a journalist would bring up his kids and he would say, you know, I have a teenage daughter, you have a teenage daughter. And he would say, oh, so you understand. I can't come in without knocking the door. Of course, all of that regular family uh, dynamics that takes on um, deeper meaning right now. Uh, much of Ukrainian people like Zelensky don't get to live with their kids right now, don't get to see them regularly. People have gone to the front. Um, a lot of mothers and kids were evacuated to other parts of Europe, some to America, some to Canada, and the fathers remained. And so it this regular family life has really been touted, not by just, just by Zelensky, but by his people. I follow some, some folks, they really miss their kids. They love their kids. They're really family oriented, um, just like we are. And so for him, it was a guiding post, um, a guiding principle, even before the war, when he was first elected, he said to his governing body, the Virhovna Rada, he said, you know, hang up pictures of your kids in your offices. Don't hang up pictures of me. Hang up pictures of your children and look at them every time you're about to make a decision. And that quote itself, and then there was more expanding on it, but that quote, it rang so true for me because, look, many of us have kids and many of us have our own desires and goals. And we often talk about work-life balance in America, I think in Canada as well. Yes. what was interesting, what he's from what he, he said, the way he's been really has to become a father for the children of Ukraine as a whole. You know, he's talked about children a lot. That chapter, as you said, in Unlocking Your Inner Zelensky, it goes further into how children are such an important part of his principles. But that's also something we can use when we get caught up in our own stuff. We can pause for a second and say, wait a minute you know, whether it's my children or the country's children, is this going to serve them? And that can help us put things into order of importance. Yeah, for sure. Well, you mentioned the subtitle of the book, and I really like that, um, which is lessons we can all learn from an unexpected leader. So tell us some of the other lessons that you haven't already touched on. Sure. And you know, one of them you brought up and I didn't really expound on, so I will right now, um, it's his PR skills. Uh, Because as you said, it was his job to really get other parts of the world to get 
even Europe, even his neighbors of Europe, but especially North America, to understand the importance of Ukraine, to understand the value of Ukraine yeah. uh, as the biggest country in Europe, as this uh, producer of a lot of food, a lot of, you know, bread, <laughs> just the plain, the, the simplicity of bread, right? And yeah. so I have a chapter in the book called uh, Know Your Message, Know Your Audience. It's so important, the PR skills I learned from him, the public relations skills, the ability to communicate, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still have to remind myself, he's been very, very astute in his communication with other nations and with his own people. So one of the great lessons for someone like me, a writer, is to understand how to simplify the message and how to tailor the message depending on who you're speaking with. I think it's important for all of us because we all need communication skills. There's no job you can get without communication skills. And the, honestly, in even in governing a family, I, I consider myself the president of my family, right. <laughs> my little children, you know, just getting understanding, you know, I have two daughters. They're very different. I have to communicate with one in one way and with the other in a different way. And if I forget that, it bites me in the butt because then I'm not able to get what I need, which is, you know, for her to do her chores or do her homework or get ready for where I have to take her. Like, I, it doesn't work if I just use a one message for everybody. And so he's been really great about when he's speaking to one country, he makes sure to connect himself to that country and to connect Ukraine's plight to that country's history by bringing in facts. He's been he's been very good about researching it, having his people research it, and writing a speech that really touches those people. And by the way, his um, advisors say he's the main speechwriter, he himself. Yeah, I know. I read that in your book and I thought, wow, that's really incredible. He, he has input into every line in his speech, you said. Yeah. And, you know, recently I heard somebody else say, another advisor of his um, or some, somebody who works in, in his cabinet, that not only is he the main speechwriter, he speaks in ready-made thoughts and ready-made speeches. It's like the job of his speechwriters, which normally speechwriters write the speeches for, for public personnel, right, for, for presidents. His speechwriters really just need to be quick and take down these complete speeches that just come out of him. Oh, wow. Wow. What was the most difficult thing about writing this book, Jesse? Ooh, that's a good one, Bruce. Um, finishing it before the story was finished. Uh. Figuring out a way to make it matter now before we know the end result. And actually, regardless of the end result, that's what I really wanted to do is I see this person. I see what he has to offer the world and in a different way. I mean, we all see what he has to offer the world, but I meant like if I get deeper in the personal qualities that he has to offer actually can help all of us. All of us have um, things that we're working towards. And I, th I thought that he can help all of us simplify our message, simplify our desires and bring out our best parts of ourselves, including our courage, including our chutzpah, the ability to, you know, ask for what you need. And so I, I, there's many lessons, obviously. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a book's worth of, me of messages, but I really wanted to bring it out there. And I realized that this is going to be important regardless of whether he gets his end result or not. 
Jesse, most people who are writers have to end up editing things out that they'd rather not. They have to leave things out of the book that they would like to include. Was there anything that you really wanted to include, but you just, for certain reasons, couldn't include it? Yes. Um, for me, and I'm sorry, I apologize to everyone for, for my ego always butting in. Um, I, I didn't let it do do that too much here because this really was a book about Zelensky. But for me, it's always my story, my experiences that I have to remember to edit, to pare down. Right. So I had to include my own story to some degree to explain why, why I'm writing this book. And that story, sure. it included the acting part of, of being in a movie set with him. But more than that, it was the, the experience of being a Soviet refugee who left at a young age, who had to find her way in America who one of the major things couldn't figure out my identity as a displaced person didn't know what that identity was i was really identified as russian in america because i spoke russian even though i'm not russian you know i was born in latvia my dad's ukrainian um it's a jew on my passport because that's the kind of country it was then that's how they identified my family uh but i didn't know what i was you know i changed my russian name was asa I changed yeah. it to Jesse. Now I use it. I think you've seen it. I use it yes. as a middle name, you know, Jesse Asia Cancer, just to pay some credence to my past. But I really Americanized myself as quickly as possible. And so for me, when the war began, the first chapter is about identity. Mm -hmm. It's called Who the Bleed, but it's about identity. It's about um, learning from watching Zelensky what identity actually means. And he had a quote where he said, I don't care what a person's nationality is. I care what he or she is on the inside. And so it was re a reminder for me personally to make the inside more important than those external labels. Right. Will you be doing a book tour? Um, you know, I'm a mom of two young kids. Right. Yes. <laughs> so part, part of my book tour is definitely this. Um, as of now, there isn't one. Um, it's, it's challenging to get, uh, to get the word out about a book like this, about any book, but a book like this. So I'm really grateful to, to, you know, to go on podcasts. I have local events, some local events that I'm doing. My local libraries are great about putting on free events. Mm -hmm. Libraries are also great because if you can't afford the book, you can take it out. And yeah. so I'm doing some local events. I'm doing some uh, virtual events as of now, there's no book tour, but you know, from your mouth, maybe one day. Yeah. What do you think is the most difficult thing about getting the word out about this book? The controversy. So I'm on Instagram a lot. That's probably where I am the most. I'm on TikTok. Um, I haven't been able to, for example, buy an ad to promote the book on Instagram because of the controversy. They call it a political mm -hmm. message. Um they probably are bots or AI, and it's hard to get through that. There's a lot of um, contention around politics. I don't have to tell you, you, you know, no. you, there's a there's a lot of uh, every issue in America right now gets politicized. It happened with COVID. It's happening again with Ukraine, where it does become, unfortunately, a partisan issue to some degree. And then there's all this contention. And then people are scared to, for example, a show like yours. That's why I'm so grateful to be on here. People don't always want to touch a controversial topic, but I think you would agree from 
um, reading my book that it is actually not a controversial book. It's a, it's a book about humanity. Well, it is. And it's a book about what we can learn from this person and, you know, how humble he is and, and how we can just learn to be better people, really. Yeah. And the reminder of from uh, from him and from, from the Ukrainian people living through war right now, which is crazy if you really think about it. We thought we were past it, I think, as a, mm-hmm. you know, as a society, we thought that was done. I think Europe was sure they weren't going to have a giant war again. So I think in watching that, what does become clear is what is actually important, what is really important in life. And he's been very good about crystallizing that. What's really important to us? What's What really matters? What should we really you know, sweat for. Right. Yeah. So what have you learned from your daughters that you could use to include in the book? Maybe, um, I mean, I think we all learn from children. So what have you learned from your children? We do all learn from children. And uh, in that chapter, Children as Guideposts in the book, we talk about that because... um, I'll, I'll say really quick, Zelensky was quoting a boy from Mariupol. And for those who don't remember, Mariupol was really early on just destroyed. Just the people yeah. there were destroyed. And this boy said, the city might be gone, but the sea is still there. You know, I hope you come visit us sometime. And he really felt and he had a smile on his face saying, well, the city's gone, but the sea is still there. And so that Zelensky quoted this boy in his speech. Children can say things so poignantly and they mean them and it really breaks your heart in the moment because of their purity um so my own kids trying to understand the situation that when it started my daughter was in kindergarten the youngest for her to understand what's going on and she had to because it's a big part of my life my dad who's from ukraine you know we can't go to his house without catching the news, that's what he's listening to, or he'll have the Ukrainian anthem playing. It's a really, I think for people who are from Ukraine, it's a specifically a very uh, touchy subject that, and that they can't get away from this. They, they're really invested. And so they had to learn and had to understand. And so my older daughter said something. So it was funny in it's again, in its purity, simplicity, she said, I was explaining to her, not all Russian people are bad. And they really have this government that is tyrannical. There's no freedom. I was explaining to her what that means. And I was explaining to her about this guy, Putin, who's really scary for a lot of people. And she said, she was so frustrated. Like, why can't other people just figure this out and, you know, get him out of the way? And then she said, well, why doesn't just someone just kill the guy? And they had such cute, simple solutions for this problem. Obviously, the problem is much more difficult, but to see it from a children's eye, you really understand the purity of a child's heart. They really are. They really do want good for the world. And and it helped me understand that whatever happens from a child to a Putin, whatever happens, it happens externally. I really believe that my kids remind me that I think people are born good. I think we are good. And I think that there's many forces, unfortunately, of darkness that may turn people away from that and may turn people away from remembering that goodness within. And so it just encourages me to look for that goodness, even in people who seemingly don't have it. Right. And you talked about 
what is so incredible about Zelensky is his belief in himself, but the fact that he does not see himself as special. So he has this inner confidence, but he sees himself as an ordinary person. And then that he can find power in that ordinary aspect of himself. So I think that was very powerful because you you told us that in different ways in the book. So that by the time I finished reading the book, I had this newfound understanding of this man. Thank you for saying that. I... I you know, it was in, in some ways an easy book to write yeah. because, because the, the, the subject matter is all there. And this person had, who speaks in ready-made, in ready-made sentences and ready-made speech points, um, his quotes are pretty remarkable, you would agree. And so to expound on those quotes by bringing in his history, it, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a hard book. So I'm glad that that came across because... For me, that's the major thing. So if all of the children are, you know, are born with good hearts, if we can just keep that goodness within ourselves, and if we can, you know, he's one of those examples where if we can just do the right thing and do the next right thing and do the next right thing, if more of us did that, we as a human race would be okay. We as a planet would be okay. So my hope is, you know, I think of it, yes, it's a self-help book or a personal development book, but I also think of it as a leadership book. Mm -hmm. I would love these qualities to be the expound the leadership qualities that are really elevated, whether it's in businesses, whether it's for CEOs or in government. I think it could make a difference. Yeah. Speaking of making a difference, how do you envision this book making an impact on the world? What kind of a difference do you hope to see? Well, first of all, and this is just on the monetary side, I will be donating uh, the bulk of the proceeds from this book to United 24. That is um, Zelensky's platform. It's a donation collection platform. I specifically will be donating for rebuilding efforts. I think it's so important uh, to look to the future and to remember that, hey, these schools that were destroyed need to be rebuilt. So um, on a practical level, I, you know, for folks who do buy this book, know that a part of it will go there. And so that's one positive thing we're doing. Uh, the other one is just from this understanding. First of all, books, what's great about books is they stay around like the podcast episodes. They stay around long after they're created. Yeah. And my hope is as the new cycle moves on, as hopefully Ukraine is able to um, deoccupy their lands, I hope this book remains to remind us of what this one person was able to do in the most treacherous of times so that folks who are going through their own treacherous times can pick it up and glean something from it. And as I said, I hope more leaders are exposed to my book and books like this that show um, a different aspect of leadership. You know, there's a chapter in there about service leadership. Yes. And he's such a good example of a person who puts service first who puts his role as a servant as the primary role of his job. That's, that's his primary guiding force. You know, he, his, um, even before this uh, full invasion, full-scale invasion, he would go and visit the troops in Donbass, in, in the territories that were disputed since 2014, and his security personnel would always try to stop them, stop him. But uh, his advisor of the time said he always put his role 
as leader above his own personal safety. So he had always had this guiding post of service. I hope that service leadership, it's one chapter in the book, but really it's the whole person. He's just such a servant of the people, as, as he, which is the, the name of his party. I hope that more leaders are able to adapt that attitude, perhaps by reading this book or, or hearing an episode about this book, that really, if you really want to be out there in a powerful position, the most important part of that power is your ability to serve. I love how you ended the book with the chapter, Understand Victory. Can you explain to our listeners how you sum that up? Yes. And again, this was easy because of Zelensky himself and his speeches. He said multiple times, uh, victory doesn't equal happiness for us. We've lost a lot of people. There's no happy ending. Victory is the beginning. So victory for, for Ukraine is the beginning. It's the beginning. First of all, there will be a lot to rebuild. I wrote about that as well. Uh, but second of all, it's the opportunity to then create what it is, the kind of country, the kind of society they want to live in. Mm -hmm. And for the rest of us working towards our own victories, whatever they, they may be, I think it's really important to see victory not as the end, but as the beginning so that we're able to look past and have ideas and have daydreams and fantasies and uh, visualization, which we believe in. Uh, those of us in the woo-woo world, really, I really rely on that. To, to be able to envision what comes after victory is very important. Jesse, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. And of course, your website is very easy to find. Your website is jessiekanzer.com, J-E-S-S-I-E-K-A-N-Z-E-R, Z for those of you who pronounce it that way. <laughs> and uh, as we wrap up, can you just leave us with a couple of words of wisdom? Sure. You know, I, I won't use my own here since my book was inspired by somebody else's wisdom. When he was receiving his Times Person of the Year Award last year, Zelensky said, and he was named the leader, the time leader of our time. So it was Time Magazine. And he said, every one of us is the leader of our time. Every single one of us. Wow, that's powerful. It really is. I think remembering our own power is really important for each of us right now. Um, I think what's going on, there's a big change going on. I think uh, thanks to technology in many ways, I know we talk a lot about neg negative aspects of it, I do, but the positive aspect is there's a democratization of communication and we all have the ability to put out our message out in the world in, with interactions on social media, whatever. If we treat ourselves as the leader of our time, I think that elevates what we will put out. A very good thought. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, Jesse, thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode once again, and I wish you all the success with your new book. Thank you so much, and thanks for helping unlocking your inner Zelensky get out into the world, get some attention. You're so welcome. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you. 
Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining us today. And I want to thank my sponsor, Athletic Greens. They have a product called AG1. And I can tell you that this is a terrific product. It contains 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, and probiotics. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, this will work for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial ingredients. It supports better sleep and better alertness. Athletic Greens uses the best products based on the latest science and it costs less than three a day. So here's a special offer for you, Mindful Tribe. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com mindfulness. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.